Hey everybody, I'm Q. This is Bird Road. Happy New Year! It's our first episode of the year. And of course, uh, Jewish Dave is sick, so he couldn't make it. He, he gave it a shot. What follows is an episode that is heavily edited to edit him out and his coughing and um, kind of restart from the beginning. We, we hope that he feels better soon. Uh, in, in his place, at the last minute, we got my uh, very good longtime friend, Justin Aspiazu, the video lead at the Miami Herald, uh, old friend of mine, who I've known pretty much since I moved to Miami. We talk kind of about a lot of different New Year's type stuff, things that we learned, a very meandering, random conversation, and uh, it, it ends up on the topic of Miami. And um, so I think it's good enough, at least, to, to chop up and put out here uh, and to welcome everybody to the new year, 2018. Um, a few housekeeping items before we get started. Our live show is coming up on January 12th, Friday, January 12th at Rebar. Guests include uh, the Swank Bastards, Kyle Chamberlain, uh, the gubernatorial candidate for Nevada. Um, comedian Jason Harris is going to be there as well. Uh, second huge piece of news, enormous piece of news. We're starting the year off the right way on New Year's Day. Birdroadpodcast.com has launched, so you can go on there. Uh, see all of our episode back catalog we even built in a feature that is um going to make it possible for you as as listeners to call in and uh join the conversation we'll see how that works i'm not sold yet we'll see if it actually works in practice um you'll be able to donate uh premium get premium membership um do merchandise we got the merch and all the right regular things uh, event calendars blog posts, things like that, you're going to be able to expect from like a podcast. We're not reinventing the wheel here, alright? It's not that huge of an accomplishment frankly, but we did launch birdroadpodcast.com. Check it out. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, just like always. Uh, you can get us at any of those places. Check out our social media feeds. We're on Twitter. We're being pretty active on Facebook. Instagram, we're working on it. It's so easy to just kind of forget about that. Um, but yeah, so let's all wish, start off the, uh, new year by wishing Jewish Dave, um, speedy recovery. And, uh, here's the show. It, there is no guarantee to it. How many, you know, at this point, billions of dollars in Bitcoins have been stolen and, and exchanges have been hacked and, and. How could you, you how could you have any faith in something like that? And then people are you know, there's stories of people refinancing their houses in this last crunch to go in and invest in Bitcoin. How irresponsible is that? And how just straight nuts is that to, to, to invest in this fad? Now you might be totally wrong, right? And in ten years Bitcoin is worth Bitcoin is worth a million bucks. But I don't it, know. It, it reminds me of the the whole gold bug shit. Like people who are crazy about gold. And and they're like, no, but gold will always hold its value. And in my mind, I just, I question that. I'm like, I feel like the only thing that will, the, the circumstances that you're talking about that will lead to gold, you know, that will lead to the fall of our fiat currency are the kind of things that would 
that would actually make it more like like water would be the better currency or <laughs> seeds and shit like that. Like, I mean, right. what, what is gold going to do that money can't do at that point? It's not any more well, tangible. You got, big, you got bigger problems at that point. Yeah, it's not about like, oh, but this is shiny. You know, I, I, I don't think it, I don't know. It just doesn't seem well, like... So I, I, I think another thing is with with Bitcoin is that, um, you know, it, it's almost like a sport for people to hack things. I, I think even just from the base concept, it's ridiculous to begin with. But, yeah, go on with what you were going to say. But Bitcoin no. wasn't meant to be a investment thing, right? It was supposed to replace currency. It wasn't supposed but that's, to be an investment But that's, that's right. what it has become. It's become an investment thing. An investment, yeah. like long-term investment play instead of a, we're going to use this for like, untra- actually, it started off as untraceable as a t- technically untraceable currency, which proved to be extremely traceable. <laughs> um, your number one thing that you learned um, about Bitcoin kind of feeds into my number one thing a little bit, uh, which is I learned this year that um, the, that rich people aren't rich because they're smart. They're just rich because they're rich. And they just keep getting rich over and over. And I learned this because of the whole... Like argument, you know, Bitcoin plays into this a little bit, but I, the thing that made me want to highlight this concept is the whole thing with the in- inheritance tax, um, the the fight to hold on to every penny, right? Which is natural; that's normal. I mean, like you would want to be able to want to invest in in making sure that your kid gets to keep as much of your wealth as obscene as it is. You know, if in, when we're talking about like. One percent of people having thirty nine percent of of the shit, like still you you it's a natural instinct. But what made me realize how full of shit a lot of this is, and how it's not. Look, just 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 follow me on this, okay? Warren Buffett. Did you see the news about Warren Buffett today? No, I didn't see it. So Warren Buffett won his ten year long bet uh, against um, against hedge funds. So he had bet. That against one large hedge fund manager, uh, a million dollars that hit that just a regular old index fund, you know, just a generic index fund would outperform just like this whole basket of hedge funds over the course of a decade. He was trying to make the point that like hedge funds are, especially when you consider all of the, you know, the, the things that go into them, like all of the, the cost and, and whatnot, they're not any better, right? So he won. He, his, his, his uh, index fund, his generic index fund, outperformed this the the basket of hedge funds. Um, so meanwhile, every single trading market this year, all of them, the Dow, S and P, Nasdaq, Forex, everything, every considerable market, either hit record highs or near record highs. And everybody kind of acts like that's great, that's good, right? That means that the economy is doing well, but it's not. That's not the case at all, because the most maybe the most necessary thing for there to be good markets and for there to be good investments out there is for there to be risk and if the system gets jiggered so much that there's no risk anymore that's a real recipe for fucking disaster i know this is you're probably one of the few people jay that i know who actually actively trades and or i don't know if you do it anymore but i, know, I remember you used to um but like 54 percent of americans have investment in stocks it's not that many and most of those people are invested through a 401k. So they're not like actively managing them. Um, so it's it's not like there's some brilliant 
people out there doing some great things. It's just it, it it's it's just transferring wealth and and rigging rigging regulatory systems to be able to kind of get an edge and and always be getting returns. But you shouldn't always be getting returns. People, there should be winners and losers. Yeah, but there are winners and losers every day. You know what I mean? It's like it's. But in the aggregate, everything. But you're looking at it. But you're looking at it from a very like small. Actually, what what Warren Buffett? I actually I heard about that Warren Buffett news, but I didn't know what happened today. I heard a a podcast about that a few years ago. Um, What he was betting was not so much that you know that hedge funds that the markets was going to go up. He was betting that hedge funds and those people in, in that part of Wall Street don't know what they're talking about and that that's like a scam. So that's why he took a, a, a bet off on the S&P 500 against one of these traders. Um, and he started off bad because he went through 2008 and he was uh, and he was down. Yeah, but they but they had to go through through two thousand uh, but they, they had did. to go through two thousand eight too. But they, they? they but they go through they go through their investments at choosing whatever investment they want. Warren Buffett is only picking the S and P five hundred index fund, so he's only playing the S and P five hundred. You know, so he's basically telling investors, "It's like, look, you can go take your million dollars and give it to this guy, and out of those million dollars, you're going to give him a hundred thousand of it, right? And you're not going to see the same return as you just get the hundred thousand." Your million dollars, and you put it in this index fund, and you'll beat this guy, you know. And there's you, just you this, beat the pants off him. There's this 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 Horatio Alger like bullshit that's built into like our national ethos right now. Where well, for a long time, we've always been like this, where it's like you build things and you're great, and you're you know it's the Ayn Rand, uh, the whole you know the, the the great wealthy man and how he became wealthy and shit like that. But look at this, Netflix. Some of the best companies out there, companies that we can agree are, are doing at least interesting things or cool things or, or things that you would think of when you think of like that, um, you know, Dagny Taggart character from uh, Atlas Shrugged, like the person who's creating an awesome thing. Netflix, Tesla, Facebook, Amazon, all of them operating at a loss. None of them turn profit. They're all losing money. So Amazon, like, turned, Amazon turned a profit. Did they finally? Was this their first year turning yeah. a profit? Like probably like a year ago. They so, did actually turn a profit. That the skill of the very rich these days in modern America is not in their ability to like it's not about creating or building things anymore. It's like it's more about just hedging risk and and applying pressure to the levers of government and being able to create a more advantageous environment for themselves. I don't yeah. Know, I guess. So there. So fuck so you. So take that. I don't know. Take that, How everyone. Did we get, where'd that come from? <laughs> Pillars of society need to come down. <laughs> that's, be, that's that's season two of Burn. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to keep talking about Bitcoin and shit. How long is this podcast? Tell me about uh, as long as we want it. I don't care. There's no rules, dude. There's no rules, man. This isn't the Miami Herald. Where you have to wear where you have to wear pants to work. <laughs> where you have to wear pants. Tell me more about Bitcoin then. All right. So what 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 are you gonna advise as you're like being like Mr. Fucking Jim Cramer mad money? Are you telling people to get into Bitcoin? No, I'm telling people to stay away from Bitcoin. But then again, I think look, I think Bitcoin the reason I, I selected Bitcoin is like one of the things I wanted to talk about is because I find it ridiculously fascinating. And not just the idea of Bitcoin. But the idea of the whole cryptocurrency, the psychology, um, 
No, the, all the cryptocurrencies that are coming out because you have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum. I think there's some other thing called like Ecoin. I'm not. The only two that I know for sure is Bitcoin and Ethereum. But there's like hundreds of them now that are popping up every day. And somehow people are putting faith in these things. Things that are nothing. Literally yeah, they, zeros and ones on, a, on some okay, database. But you made the point a second ago where, and, I, and it infuriates me, I don't agree with the point. I'm just saying that the, the proponents of Bitcoin would be like, well, what is money, man? What is, mm-hmm. Like money is nothing, you know? And it's like, well, but we all pretty much agree on what money is. I mean, yeah, that's the point that's, of money. But that's the thing that, that worries me the most about Bitcoin is how we were saying it was supposed to be a currency to do day-to-day transactions that were technically untraceable, right? So that's where you had the Silk Road thing. Yeah, you had Silk Road and you had the under the dark web and where a lot of transactions were happening in this currency, right? That served a a, a point in the marketplace. It it gave it like a purpose. But all of a sudden now they're using this as a a long-term investment and the, the price to go from, what did it jump from, like, I don't know what it started at, bucks. but it was it, started, like, it was like like when it when it got the ride was like eighteen hundred bucks up to like seventeen thousand. My only you know? frame of, my only frame of reference was you know uh, not Victor from last episode who you are who you are friends with and and listeners know Victor um, a different Victor not not Victor Moran but you also know this other Victor out in Los Angeles I was visiting him one time and uh, we were just a friend of his some neighbor random guy we were walking around going to different bars and kind of like you know bar hopping through santa monica and, and um venice beach and this guy had people just showing up and he was like peeling off wads of cash and giving them to, the, to him and then some people were peeling off wads of cash and giving them to him and i was like victor what is this guy doing man he's not like i mean i know i know a drug deal when i see it this is like way too big to be a drug deal and and it's way too frequent to be a big transaction for a drug deal he's like no man he's into bitcoin trading where that undercuts me and yours premise a little bit because that actually makes it sound like there's something happening in real life like there is some real life interactivity yeah that's that's pretty cool but doing that you're also opening yourself up for i mean i'm not gonna expect i'm not gonna tell you that people are doing crazy illegal things in that but, but no yeah you're right though you're right anytime you, you know what i mean up, like yeah if you show up with thousands of dollars in cash anything like there's a reason that a lot of federal regulations exist when it exactly comes to, to you that know shit. what i mean yeah. that's scary you're like what exactly is happening there you know i don't know man you can't do that with u.s currency that's for sure no you can't even get on a plane with more than like 10 grand you know that you, that, can't no, get you can plane. get you can get on the plane you just have to declare it Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you sorry. can get on a plane with ten million dollars in cash. Yeah, but same thing you, as like you need you can, to tell them. You can do tra- deposits or transactions out of. Yeah, we I, I, back in my, back in the day when I was working at that um at that company about that was devoted to anti money laundering and it's funny because I always have to say anti money laundering because if I say that money laundering company, people like assume like oh you were laundering money. Um, <laughs> wow, you're so open about it on your national podcast. <laughs> when I was doing that, when I was in investigative reporter covering asset recovery and when i was cleaning when i was cleaning the bucks <laughs> um there was a uh, uh fuck i forgot my point that was an aside that went nowhere um okay well well look while you remember your point check this out on march 25th of 2017 
one Bitcoin cost $933. The peak of the rally was $19,197. Jesus. So you're talking in less than less than a year for sure. What, like in nine months? And that's happening too with a lot of the biggest voices in the financial industry talk, speaking against it, which is one of those things where they're they're fighting it like they there's no they there's no centralized yeah they, but but here's but, okay look here's like the Jamie Dimon Jamie Dimon came out against Bitcoin and and has criticized it a lot right and that you assume that's a little bit of an anchor dragging it if it wasn't for him they probably would be above twenty thousand if it wasn't for little things listen, like that listen to this so there's two sides to that like you were saying before I was training and stuff because my parents come from the financial world you know what I mean they taught me that at a very young age about what the market is and what trading is. My mother, who doesn't know what a Bitcoin is, doesn't know what Ethereum is, right? Just got herself a ETF, right? An ETF is a fund that goes with the price of something. So what Warren Buffett bet that million bucks on the uh, S&P 500 index fund, he was betting that that stock, that fund would keep going up and it's correlated directly to the price of the S&P 500 for that day, right? They, they come out with a number, it costs right. $100 to buy a share and then, uh, you know, or, or whatever it costs, as that number goes up, you get more money. She was able to get herself an ETF in Bitcoin through her company that she works in. She works for, I'm not going to say which one she works for, but she works for a major uh, uh, brokerage house. You know, and she was able to get an ETF that mirrors the Bitcoin price. So the fact that a major brokerage house is offering that and they're not the only ones, they're one of several people who are offering financial products based off of Bitcoin. That's when you start thinking, like, is this a real thing now? Like now you don't even have to some extent. Yeah, but think about it. Now you don't even have to go out and buy a Bitcoin. Now you can buy a fund. Through your Merrill Lynch account or through your E-Trade account, you can buy this fund that would basically be buying a Bitcoin, but not really. That's and they're also and they're also selling futures. Bitcoin futures. Yeah, Bitcoin futures. Think about that. So they've legitimized it. (laughs) Yeah, they've Um, legitimized it. The thing that throws me off the most about Bitcoin is not the concept and not the meteoric rise because things rise fast sometimes. Like sometimes things skyrocket in value. Uh, And it's not all the hacking and all of the various, you know, security concerns and risks like that. It's just looking at the people that are the most crazy about Bitcoin, seeing who they are. They are way more john mcafee than they are warren buffett and i don't trust that those the people who are bonkers about bitcoin i feel the same way that i feel like about fucking rick and morty fans they're like they're (laughs) they're smart but they're fucking unreliable and crazy and they're problems dude these people these are people who are problems and you know what maybe they'll laugh all the way to the bank i'm the fucking idiot whatever uh but i have seen by the way i don't know did you see this shit where there was just a straightforward um, – somebody posted a, a, a Reddit post where it was like, 
it's a very straightforward Bitcoin um, Reddit where people were just kind of talking about their experience as investors. And one guy just made a very innocuous, harmless comment where he was like, or he started a thread where he said, you know, it's getting a little too volatile for me. I'm going to pull out. He got reamed by the whole community. Like they were threatening him, talking shit about him, like doxing him and shit like that. It was crazy. I, it, which brings me to my other point about this. And it kind of speaks to my first point, which is when people are that threatened by your reluctance to get on their thing, that makes me wonder about it too. It's a lot like religion when people get like, you know, middle centuries type religion where it's like, oh, you don't believe in my God, I'm going to kill your entire culture. Like <laughs> it, 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 it worries me. That's the kind of irrational adherence to a thing that is like make that puts me off. It makes me think maybe maybe this ain't the fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. I I hear you, man. There's a lot of things that kind of put me off to this thing. It's just Wait. it's weird. It's weird. It's just a weird. It's things. All right, let me let me rephrase my my thought. What wait, is? Wait, are you gonna say it's weird? It's strange. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's quixotic. Um, <laughs> it's offbeat. Sorry, I think you took too long. <laughs> no, no, I can oh. always edit that. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, fuck. What the hell was I gonna say? Hey, you know what would be a good episode? What would be a good podcast for me and you? Um, have you ever heard the Doug Benson podcast? Yeah, they're getting getting Doug high. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the only reason that we had to like stay two and a half miles away from each other tonight because that's why i think that is better that we did it over this phone i need to take it serious <laughs> see i was already cracking up the i, I couldn't take it i tried to like uh tone it down and not cracking a joke every time don't just crack like jokes th- i don't care after it's... like the third joke i, I heard it in a voice you were kind of like oh this fucking guy's not gonna take it serious no no I don't... look i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell you the way i am about this shit i care about the what do you call it we could make 90 minutes in a row of dick jokes, and I'd be fine with that. But I would be fine as long as the audio is good. <laughs> as long as the audio is good, I'm like, All right, yeah. yo, can as we long talk as it about doesn't Mar- sound like you're like using your headphone right now to cut up a line of cocaine, which is what it sounds like. Oh, because I was pouring myself a drink. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we're just like dead air right now. We're just we're, we're coming up with the next idea. This is all staying in the cutting room floor. No. Here's here's the idea. Upside down pool. Oh, but how do you keep the water in? Uh, have you ever taken your finger and put it over the top of a straw and then lifted it out of the glass and you see the the liquid that stays in there? Upside down pool. Okay. Um. Anyways. Nobody ever <laughs> likes that idea. I, I never once... When, some, when, when I was told that idea by Jewish Dave... Tw- almost 20 years ago, my eyes got as wide as fucking saucers, dude. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. In the subsequent years, I've told 100 people that idea, and they've all had exactly your reaction. Like, yeah, okay. Real funny, dude. And, like, some people, I feel like they broke off their friendships with me after I told them this idea. <laughs> I'm like, honey, we just realized something. That David 
He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's what you're going to go in and tell your wife after you get done with this podcast. Baby, is it too late to get the invitations to the party back? Because um, can we just tell them that we... Okay, baby, this is the thing. We're not going to be able to post any pictures on social media. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell Q that we canceled that party. And he can't know that we did. The next item you had on your list was North Korea. Have you seen these pictures where they... This is always so funny because this is the most Miami thing in the world. They do the uh, the really scary radius of all the places on the globe that North Korea, based on their most recent test launch, could reach, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's like 95% of, of North America. And of course, what is the one major city that it can't, that it's out of reach? Miami. <laughs> hey, that's and why. Like, but no, Justin, to a level that it's hilarious to look at because the line is like right along Naples. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can you do, man? It's the magic city. What can you do? What are you going to do? Are you going to prep? I'm, I'm, uh, actually, that's not what scares me about the, the North Korea thing. It's not the, uh, it's not that like a nuclear weapon hitting like a town. This is like the real like conspiracy theory bullshit. It's the fucking um, electromagnetic pulse attack. A dirty bomb. Dis- no, electric magnetic pulse. Basically, what they do is, I didn't know this. It was, I didn't even know this was even a possibility. I saw it online the other day. Terrified me. And it's actually one of the things that preppers are prepping against. You know, it is electric magnetic pulse. They set off a nuclear bomb. Like I think it's something like. 400 miles above um, North America. Oh, and, and the fallout. The fallout. And the fallout and the radius of the explosion yeah. will knock out all power to the United States for an in, for basically an indis, like indeterminate amount of time because you fry all the delicate wires in the um, substations and in the main stations. So if you think about that, they were saying, there was a some guy on Capitol Hill talking like a few months ago um, talking about how this is a thing and how they should, you know, um, fortify because it's not that difficult to fortify things. It's just basically like adding an extra layer of metal so things are grounded in a different way. Um, so this guy was talking about how we should do it, but this is the same dude who's been doing it for like 15 years. So it's like either he's really worried about this or he's been trying to sell these goddamn things for 15 years. <laughs> um, but make a long story short, that guy said that if something like this would happen, that 90% of the American population would die in the first year. I mean, you're talking about when you trigger shit like that, that's a global killer. There's no winner in that. It's not like... No, I know. I know there's no... No, automatically... North Korea doesn't doesn't win in that situation. Nobody wins. No, North Korea gets wiped off the map right away because we have boats right next to them that will blow them out of the water. But, damn, think about that, that prospect, you know? Like, we're just sitting here doing a stupid podcast no offense. Uh, the fuck, dude. <laughs> we're just here doing your quickly acclaimed podcast. <laughs> Mindless dribble. Tell me how you really feel, Jay. Um, and there's like, like cut to people really quick, wait. like cut, cut out of the podcast. Cut to Kim Jong Un uh, on his um, on his iPhone, listening to the latest episode of Bird Road, and he's just like. Oh my God, they're right. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? 
right, I gotta, I gotta stop this. <laughs> and we like, we change his mind. Yeah. Insane. No, but, but that's, but that's even more insane about what just the way this works is that there's like five people in the world who have the power to just destroy us. That's fucked up. Well, here's my opinion on that. What I think. I think pretty much, first of all, everything that North Korea is doing in terms of um, antagonism towards us is completely our fault. It's 100% our fault. Because if you're North Korea and you look at other countries who have made who have made the deals that, uh, that the U.S. is exhorting them to make, these nuclear proliferation deals, these uh, non-proliferation agreements, right? Who are you talking about? Uh, Ukraine. We failed to come to their defense. We vi- we violated the terms of our- the agreement by not coming to their defense. Uh, Iran. We're about to fucking bomb Iran in this calendar year. The drumbeats for war are going full force for Iran right now. We are absolutely going to war with Iran. We're not going to go to war with anybody. And, oh no, it won't be called war. It'll be proxy war. But we are going to go to war and people are going to die. Um, if you were Kim Jong-un, or if you were just North Korea, whoever the real person is, because that guy's a man-baby just like our president, and he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But there's some people who are actually running shit over there. And if you are them, what incentive would you have to make a deal with the United States? When have we kept our end of the bargain on any deal that we've made? Well, just to protect myself. I actually am an employee journalist, so yeah, no, that's true. Justin I, is a I, I Justin is a journalist, any... so he doesn't have an opinion. Because <laughs> I have an opinion on things, but <laughs> no. I just don't go around calling people names. Well, I can't. It feels <laughs> really good now. To be honest, <laughs> it feels really nice. Don't but, call people names. Um, but listen, the last thing I need is for like my my job my uh, podcast to start getting a fucking body count of like people's yeah. jobs, uh, and my um, body count is me. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> that's not much of a body count. Q. That's that's one casualty, all right? <laughs> For a body count, you need more than one. Well, actually, you need one, right? That would be that would be a body count. So I don't think, dude, nothing's gonna come of North Korea, man. It's gonna be posturing. It's gonna be back and forth. No, I know. It's gonna. It's 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 just that we had a mature person in office in the past who who didn't need to express himself through tweets and and uh had other more productive ways to deal with frustration and now we have somebody who's not really governed like that mentally they're i mean <laughs> it's, it's not the way he behaves he's gotta like <laughs> lash out like so it's just meaningless dude like so much of everything right now it's fucking meaningless and exactly it's nothing that we can't you know. but it's funny because your first thing that you were talking about and i don't know if we Fucking if I ru- if, if if the audio is ruined or not, because this is a fucking hodgepodge of a podcast episode, and who knows what the hell's gonna come out the other end of it. But um, the first thing you were talking about, uh, which was Bitcoin, fed nicely into my my little conversation about um, my concern, which was like the general overall concept of investment and the concept of how the rich stay rich, uh, and this feeds nicely into my next thing which is that i learned this year that people are fucking scared that people are way too scared in this country um i'll tell you how it happened i was like freaked and, out. And, and i i totally agree with you 
and I think every part of society is just terrifying, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I realized this one night when um, somebody I knew was at the Dolphin Mall the night that there was the uh, the Dolphin Mall is this uh, mall way the fuck out in uh, like the western part of Miami Dade County called um, Sweetwater, which is like the last city basically before you get into the Everglades, and um, <clears throat> and uh, it's just a huge outlet mall. And um, there was a shooting, and it was one of those things that unfolded uh, over social media. So you heard about it first through social media, then the news outlets started covering it, and it took like a few hours to realize that, oh shit, there was no shooting. It was some weird, mysterious, mass hysteria shit where like 30 different people said that they heard gunshots, and one of them said, oh no, the gunshots came from over there in the Cheesecake Factory, and then the other one said, no, it came from over there at, you know, Banana Republic, and... It was just one of these weird mass hysteria moments. And I, I, there was somebody that I knew who was at the mall at that moment. And I was just a little worried. And they turned out to not even be at the mall. So fuck it. Who cares, right? One weird thing. Weeks later, right off of the 826, right off of the Palmetto. Right off of the Palmetto. Yep. You still got to, you still, you're still not a, say into the say Miami lingo. People say No one says 826. It's the Palmetto. So your rules are this. You say Palmetto, but you say, you don't say the dolphin, right? Cause you say the 836. The That's 836. the way it's said. It's the 836 and the Palmetto. Fucking Cubans, man. You guys are so, like, dictatorial. Like, in every... <laughs> in every so, regard. So, look. Westland Mall. Same thing, right? Little mass hysteria. People running out the window... Or running out the windows. Running out the doors. And freaking out, uh, you know, gunshots in the mall. I, I missed that one. I didn't even notice it when it happened. But the other day, the biggest... I think the biggest mall out here. Um, Aventura Mall. Up in the very Tony... Uh, upper county area of, of by far by far the best mall in South Florida. Um, same shit, dude. Turns yeah, three out times, nothing. Three three times has okay, happened. Okay, three times. Last like, all three night, times, all, dude, all three times I've been at work. <laughs> last night, Sawgrass Mills, another yeah, one. Yeah. So that's four. So I did a little. I did it just out of curiosity. I did like a, a national Lexus search, and I just looked for the terms. False report mall shooting, right? And I did a few tweaks here and there to the terms and, 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 you know, just tried to, like, narrow down. Dude, this is a thing that is happening everywhere and far more frequent right now than in years past. Memorial City Mall in Houston. Uh, Kalispell Mall in Montana. River Chase Galleria in Alabama. Lincolnwood Town Center outside of Chicago. Topanga Mall in, um, in L.A. Uh, Lakeside Mall in Sterling Heights. Willowbrook Mall in Wayne, New Jersey. South Shore Mall in Boston. All of these and, and way more, way more than that. Ones that I didn't even get into. Others where they're like large strip malls that don't technically yeah, count as malls. This but is. But you don't think that there's a. Uh, you don't think that there's a reason why. Absolutely. People are freaked the fuck out. Like, hey man, like. Well, I absolutely do. Stuff has happened. It's... You know what I mean? Look at that shit, bro. Look at that shit in Vegas. Like, that's insane. That's insanity. Uh, I mean. Jewish Dave can tell you he was like a mile away from it when it happened, but he yeah, could if he could get ins- it out of that's all the insanity. cops. Think, think about how many of these mass shootings are. So, of course, people are scared. And I don't think people are scared, like, unjustly. You know? My worry think is about this. It, though. I mean, Dave, you're talking about that. At least once a month, we get reports of a major, not of a, of, of a pretty major mass shooting. And once a week, we have little minor ones. And by minor ones, I mean a couple people got shot. 
you know? Three years ago, there was this one where um, 19 people were killed in one night. In uh, but the problem was uh, to like paraphrase, um, I think it was the wire. To paraphrase the wire, it was the wrong zip code. It was in Liberty City, up off of um, yeah. Seventy nine. But those are two different things, bro. Nineteen people. No, this was nineteen mostly innocent people. These weren't. None of these people were gang members. These it was like a drive by. It was a drive by that like hit a party, and it was at that point. I think it was like maybe April, and up and up through September, of that year, it was the deadliest mass shooting of the year and like nobody talked about it actually much smaller mass shootings i think it happened at the same time that um some other smaller mass shootings had happened and uh there wasn't really a conversation about it i i think there's a very distinct psychology going on with this shit man and what worries me the most about it jay is that it's it's priming people it primes people for for what comes next this kind of fear when you see it spreading like that it's the kind of shit that makes you not ask questions. It's the kind of shit that makes you not be critical of things. It makes you not, you know, doubt the people who are in charge. And it lets you just kind of give yourself over to shit and be like, yep, yeah, I, I don't know. I just want to be safe. I'm scared. I'm scared. Just make me safe. And I don't know, man. I guess my point is like what I learned is is that people, I don't know, people are, are, are willing to trade, are eager, happy to trade off freedom for a little bit of security or what they at least think is security. Yeah, that's that mean. shit scares me, man. That shit really scares me because that is where you get in real trouble. That's yeah, where you start having shit like, like, oh, let's bomb the fuck and invade a country that had nothing to do with an attack against us because we're all scared and we're sh- scared shitless. And what happens? You think that those people just disappear and go away after they get bombed? You think that they're like, you know, like I said this on another episode before. You think that their their fathers or their sons just like grieve and leave? No, they fucking take up arms in their own way against us. That's the shit that you should actually be scared of. And for some reason, we misplaced that shit. I think we're living in, in, in ridiculously unprecedented times. More than, I don't know, maybe on the cusp of World War II. Not saying that there's going to be a World War, but just of uncertainty and just weirdness, general weirdness. Plus, you, you throw into a all the disruptors that we have now with technology. I think that's what makes it such weird uncharted territory. It's technology and the people and everything. It's, it, we're living in crazy times. That's for sure. But I, I want to steer the conversation in a direction. Go. All right. For listeners, you know, David here has been a really good friend of mine. We met almost a decade ago, right? About a decade ago. Are you breaking up with me? Yes, yes, it's 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 you, not me. Um, <laughs> so we met like a decade, a decade ago, ago, twelve years ago, twelve, twelve years. years ago, working at the at the paper, um, and he was fresh off the boat <laughs> from uh, what Orlando, Guatemala, Guatemala. Yes, no, from Las Vegas. I, I just moved here from Vegas. Yeah, but had you direct? You hadn't moved here directly from Vegas. weren't you living like in Orlando or something? No, like? you were living somewhere else. I did the weird shit that one day I'll, I'll make like a whole podcast episode about but um i did the weird like trying to find myself i'm 24 years old and i'm lost and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and i drove across the country and stayed in um i stayed in orlando for like five months with family then i drove back across the country in like a shitty jalopy and that broke down and i, I took a greyhound bus across like 10 states and i did that whole fucking thing so i i had been you're right i had been in orlando for a little bit 
as part of that fucking journey. But I'd been back in Vegas for like seven or eight months when I moved here. So I had I had so, lived in Orlando for a little bit, to, to your point. So one of the running things that we've had in our friendship is I'm always quizzing him about Miami or asking him, how does he like Miami? Because I think at first you didn't like Miami or something or... You always, I forgot. I forgot how this came about. No, I didn't. I didn't like Miami at all at first. But and I am like Miami. Miami I thought it is was my place. And fast and crazy, and there was no regard for human life. And, and this and... is a person, a person who is coming from Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, but that's a weird perception, dude. Las Vegas is basically one big padded, um, fucking, uh, uh, conveyor belt. You get off the plane, and they sit you down in a padded seat the moment you get off the plane. And you get drunk, you get lap dances, you get to gamble, you get, you know, like questionable sexual choices, you get fucking like uh, narcotics, and then the padded chair drops you back into the fucking, uh, into the plane and sends you back to fucking Iowa or whatever. Like Vegas only has an air of danger. Miami is the authentic article, depending on what you do. Basically, I wanted to kind of, revisit this conversation 12 years later mm. right how do you feel about miami now now you're here you're, you're here with a, a wife and kid doesn't seem like you're going anywhere <laughs> anytime no. soon not, you not set roots soon. i'm setting down roots i'm from here born and raised i only lived one year away in tallahassee um got to experience the south and uh i always say I, i've traveled extensively around the world and around the United States, I always say I want to leave Miami, but more and more and more and more, I don't see a way that that's even possible just because I love it here so much. Like, this is my perfect place. And the fact that you said that out of all the places in the United States that a North Korean missile <laughs> could hit, the only place is not Miami, that to me is like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that would be it, you know? Of and course. That's why I live here. <laughs> that, um, that, uh, that quirkiness... I've come to love, but there's also more tangible things in that because there's got to be more than just quirkiness and weirdness. I'll tell you, the biggest one right now is that my daughter is growing up speaking fucking flawless Spanish, and I love that. And people think that that's something small. It's not, man. It's a really big thing. I didn't get taught Spanish growing up, and it was a big problem. And, um, like, I had to learn it later and badly, and it's a whole... That, beyond just the language, but, like, the multicultural aspect, the understanding of, of you know, Latin culture, that only really happens in Miami. Because let me tell you what happens out west, dude. Out west, in Nevada, where I've, I lived, in California, where I frequented, I frequented like, every weekend for years. Um, first of all, it's, a, it's just, you know, different. You and I are Caribbean. Like, we come from Caribbean stock. Like, we, our, our parents are from, uh, you know, Cuba and Puerto Rico, respectively. And it's just, it's a different slice of the culture than the, you know, Central American, Mexican, American experience. So the compatibility is not really there. And also there is some urge to kind of just same as same in New York too, by the way, an urge to hide your, your Latino-ness. Like, okay. Okay. Now there's nothing like Miami. There's nothing like Miami where. No, I will defend New York in one thing. And that's like, I know you're from New York. You're from, what, Long Island, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my family immigrated to the United States, um, came in exile 
to the, <laughs> to the United <laughs> States. Um, from Cuba, went to New York, and there are neighborhoods in New York where it is pretty much the same thing as Miami. Right, I think I don't know if once you get out of the suburbs or you get outside of the city, if it's the same. It's different. But I, but I can tell you for a fact that I don't know how it is today in 2017, but not that long ago, you go to Dykeman Street in Washington Heights. Uh, you go to um, the South Bronx. You go to Spanish Harlem. You go to you know certain sections of uh, of New York City, and it is just as Latin as Miami. You know what I mean? And I guarantee you in Los Angeles, the thing is that you don't go to these areas, but if you go to like East LA or I, I'm not as familiar with, with what is now like the Hispanic neighborhoods because of gentrification and shit like that. But I guarantee you it is still people, you know, just like Miami. It's just not as, as large or it's not as much as in your face. Cause in Miami it's like the That's entire, cool. the entire County is your face, you know, like anywhere in Miami. I guess once you go to Northwest Dade County, it's a little different. But anything Southwest? Look, is is there a place anywhere else in the country, like um, like Coral Gables, where the average, uh, you know, where people are rich as fuck and where people and are rich as fuck and, 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 and everyone's and Latin, everybody, and everybody's Latin. Yeah, that's yeah, no. exactly. The long and short of it, everybody's no. rich as fuck, well educated, and. Uh, and Latin, no. And there are that, and, and think about that from the perspective of a little kid. There are those but, exa- you but, grow up around but, those examples. But not only rich as fuck. We're talking about like rich, like like dirty not, rich, like like rich. dirty rich. You know what I mean? And not everybody's Latin, but let's say like the city of Coral Gables is like fifty percent Latin, sixty percent. I think yeah, more. I think it's like sixty. I mean, no, I don't think there's anything else like that. That's makes that's why I like Miami. Miami to me is my 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 town. You know why I can't leave Miami? And it's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> it's because... Pastelitos. It's close. <laughs> it's going to the window and ordering a coffee mm-hmm. and talking to a woman in Spanish and paying 90 cents for my coffee. Right? And not paying three bucks for a Star Starbucks, you know, mediocre coffee. There won't be another thing like Miami. Because Miami will, I know that you're a skeptic when it comes to this stuff, but Miami's going to be gone pretty soon. Relatively, not in our lifetime, but it'll be gone really soon. Well, his Hispanic Coral Gables is 53%. 53? Yeah. Yeah, I would have guessed higher. I would have guessed And higher. Miami-Dade County as a whole is 65%. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, it's different though, but then people hit us with the, there's no diversity in Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, which I think is funny because then that that takes into account that you think that every single person who speaks Spanish is the same shit, right? You don't realize that there's yeah, that's what, a 20 countries. Argument. Yeah, you're right. That's a fucking that's circular reasoning. That's a that's an argument made coming from a person who doesn't understand diversity. <laughs> like it, you automatically you've outed yourself if you're like Miami's not diverse because it's all Hispanic and you're, you you're like okay you're clearly somebody that is not really interested in having that conversation. Yeah, you take into account all the. Co- Sorry about that. Well, I fucked that up. Okay, I'm, I'm eating a. <laughs> that fucking, terrible. I'm eating a fucking chicken wing. Don't worry. This episode is out the window. <laughs> um. This yeah, I think Miami's is just me hanging out with you. I think Miami's unique. And where would you, I think where we, would you go if you have to go? 
weighing all those factors. You can say you love New York. Everybody fucking loves New York. And trust, trust yeah, but, but I'm not going to go to New York. I'm not going to go to New York, though. New, New York, York is, is terrible. Undoable, dude. New York is terrible. New York is, you know, the only reason, the only way you can live in New York is if you're rich and you live there for three months out of the year. Because if you're rich, you don't have to ever, you know, when you live in a building with a doorman and, you know, like, that's not a problem. And then you got a driver. I think that that's, I think that that's the, the, the perk from New York City that people don't give enough credit to. Here's the thing. And you'll find this interesting. I was doing this math the other day because you started this, this whole thread of conversation talking about me. And, um, I started this, I did this math the other day in my head. You kind of got to separate New York, my time living there, from the time that I spent in the city, which was usually every weekend in Queens, mm-hmm. and then um, Long Island, which is where I predominantly grew up, and then a period of time that I lived upstate, right? If you separate all of those and don't take them all as like the full 13 years, because it's more like seven years, a year, four years, or something like that, um, Miami is the place I've lived in the longest in my life. I think it would be most accurate for me to claim Miami as home. Like at this continuously. Point. Not just like if you continuously, went like cumulatively too. Like if you went into the Hall of Fame tomorrow, you'd have to wear a I'd be wearing a, uh, a heat jersey, yeah. A heat jersey? Jeez. That would suck. <laughs> I, I really mean, hate I the mean heat. listen. I'm gonna tell you Miami, in my opinion, is it's, it's the only place I know, but I visited a lot of other places and I've heard you know, so it's like I visited. I visited enough LA that I kind of know what living in LA would be like, right? And I could kind of do LA, but I would do more like what my brother's doing, like not live in LA, live in LA County, like out of the desert somewhere in the middle of fucking nowhere, you know? That's that's actually what my brother's doing is pretty cool. That's something I wouldn't mind doing. But he lives in a type of place that those fires, if they ever get really like crazy, like if a fire sets off, if a fire sets off where he's at. Yeah, yeah, it's just fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just love it. Yeah, you're a Miami guy. It's hard for me in my head, having known you for 12 years, to imagine you like living a place other than Miami. The you know where I could see I you living? Know. I could see you living in having just come back literally today, like six hours ago off of the plane. I could see you I could see you living in Puerto Rico. You no. would you would get along with the, the attitude, you would get along with the No, I like that shit, but I don't I, no, 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 no. You know where I would like honestly if it wasn't here, I would want to live like on the side of a fucking hill somewhere, like in Asheville, North Carolina, like in somewhere like in in like Hunter Thompson in Woody Creek, Colorado type shit. Like that's what I want. I want land, yeah. space. Oh, I have an herb garden now. <laughs> like I'm using my backyard to plant stuff. Like that's what I want. I want space and more secludedness. Like if I'm gonna leave Miami, I'm gonna leave um, for space, not for city life. It's it's a different part of my life. Like try to make money here and then go somewhere else. Yeah, there's this place in northern Georgia where they um have you ever heard about the Georgia Guidestones? No. So the Georgia Guidestones are these uh, sort of they're exactly what they sound like. They're enormous stones that have been carved out of um, limestone and uh or and marble. I think I think marble actually, and they've been set upright in this um in this part of northern georgia that's not near any kind of a city or any even you know residential area in the middle of nowhere in the hills and um it was done mysteriously people don't know for sure who was responsible for it the people who contracted to have it done they bought the land 
uh, under you know fake company names. They 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 had a nominee do the uh, do the transaction. They had the thing built to very specific you know um, detailed specifications, and they uh, they built it and then they gifted the land back to the county, and because they didn't want it, they just wanted to ensure that it would stay up. And what it is is these enormous stones, like 40, 50 feet tall, that have instructions in eight different languages, um, instructions on how to restart humanity, on how to rebuild society. And the reason that they chose this specific area is apparently because uh, in any of these sort of nightmare apocalyptic scenarios that we're talking about, this is an area... North North Korea, notwithstanding, this is an area that should <laughs> that should stand up to all of it. Like this is an area that doesn't get um, you know tornadoes or hurricanes. It doesn't get any kind of natural disasters. There's no tectonic plates shifting underneath it. There's no drought. Uh, there's no heavy weather. Right. It's like the perfect place. It's the place that you should go be. Right. And I think it's about the place that. of last resorts. Yeah, and I think about that shit a lot, man. I'm thinking like. Atlanta's cheap as fuck up there. You can just buy thousand acres. How pay, far past Atlanta is that? Um, like you're a solid, like f- maybe three and a half, four hours from Atlanta. You're oh, not so near. You buy a little spot. You you live in Atlanta and you buy a little spot up there and then you bug out there. Yeah, but even Atlanta's expensive. Atlanta's more like Miami nah, these days. Let me, let me tell you, bro. Atlanta. Where would I? Where would I would live? Maybe Atlanta, bro. You would pick Atlanta over San Juan. Or something like that. Yeah, man. There's no money. There's no opportunity in San Juan, bro. Let me tell you, dude. The opportunity, the opportunity in the Caribbean is is not it's not much, bro. I just got back. The economies are tiny. I just got back from Puerto Rico for the first time since the um since the since Maria, and it's it's not it's not great. It's bad. Like there are huge swaths. It's fucked. It's, it's, fucked, it's fucked up, bro. But let me tell you, man. Yesterday, Sunday, New Year's Eve, we went to Plaza Las America, and we showed up there maybe five minutes before the stores opened. We accidentally showed up like five minutes early because it was a Sunday. Didn't open till 11, right? There were people out the door lined up. I mean, like in backed into the parking garage, into the parking structure. And I don't know. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to save the whole fucking like the, the my dad's jokes, the, his, his uh, self-deprecating jokes that he would make about Puerto Ricans being bad with money. I'm going to save all that shit. I'm going to say that there is something going on that's not reflective of the dire straits that the uh, public sector of Puerto Rico has been going through for a long time in the people. These people seem employed, and they seem like they're doing okay, or they're just going into debt, which could be another thing. But commerce, my point is, in the face of all those challenges, commerce is fucking active on that island. And that's a story that I haven't seen really anybody talk about. But in the eight days that I just spent there, Dude, people are spending, people are going out, people are working, people are generating, you know, GDP. It's happening. But they're 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 constrained by their colonial status and and all the shit that goes with that, all the fucking things that my wife could come on this podcast and talk for like an hour and a half about way more effectively than I can. But um it, it's it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy. Doesn't change the fact that like if I ever pictured you anywhere other than Miami, it would be San Juan. Just because of who you no. are. No, 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 no. No, I would never. I'd move to the Dominican Republic before I move to San Juan. Yeah, man. I mean, San Juan's cool, bro. We spent, we've spent actually time in San Juan together. You know, I don't know, man. I like Miami. 
Miami's a weird place to me. What do you? What is going to happen to Miami though? I mean, like, there's going to be a point where Fuck, people. Man, I don't know, dude. People you have to what? start addressing the shit that's going on here. But how about this? How about this? Where you live and where I live, we don't have a problem. Yeah, you know what? That's what I thought too. Until um, recently, I read uh, um, this really great book by I think I've mentioned it on the podcast or on our social media feeds before uh, by Jeff Goodell from Rolling Stone, who's one of the like foremost. Uh, you know, climate reporters out there. And he had this incredible book that I strongly recommend called The Water Will Come. And um, it, first of all, one of the things that's happened, and this is this falls under another one of these, like, what I learned this year things. What I learned is I didn't know that the, the, um, the expected uh, 21st century sea level rise had been amended from 3 to 6 feet to 12 feet. And that just recently happened. So that means that from the year 2002 till now, they've changed the expectation of what it will be because they're already at like one and a half feet, and that's way far ahead of schedule. And uh, specifically with yeah, things happening in the, Ar- in the Arctic, in Miami, Miami, but only, in Miami, 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 get, get but Miami's only it I'm only happens you. only happens a few times a year. It's not like it, it's like sustained. No, but it when it when it when there's a major climate event, which is the way that that shit happens. Is that there's a single thing that happens that sort of quote unquote busts the levees. I know we don't have the we don't have levees here, but water comes in and then it doesn't go back out. So That's, you mean that like the Irma that just came would have actually come the way it was supposed to come? And yeah, that would have been fucking as twenty years from now if that would happen. Twenty years from now, when when the when the water level is another eighteen inches higher, yeah, that would be a really big problem. I don't if, think if I don't think in. I don't think in our lifetime Miami will be uninhabitable. No, but in our kids' lifetime. And well, we're raising them. Are, yeah, but they can figure out somewhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up, man. You fucked up. You're fucked up. What do you mean? That's I mean, their problem, bro. I don't know. What are these kids going to do, man? There's got to be some point where I don't have to deal with that shit anymore. I'll let them know. I'm going to let my kid know tomorrow, bro. Tomorrow I'm going to be like, listen. At some point in time, you might have to bail. Start getting ready. <laughs> JB is like a grown up and he's like, uh, it was four days before my first birthday when my father told me <laughs> I was going to be a climate refugee for the rest of my life. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Miami's that awesome. Let's Miami, start a Terminator 4. Miami's actually kind of like, uh, like that thing where it's like, <coughs> it, it's, it, it reminds me of the quote from Fear and Loathing about the fu- about uh, about Oscar uh, Zeta Costa, where it's like too weird to live, too strange yeah. to die. That's what Miami yeah, is. That's what I'm saying, and that's that you live, and that's that you came to Miami when Miami got cleaned up. Oh yeah, Miami was already by 2006. You live, you yeah. live, you live in the fucking bed of Brooklyn right now. You know how bed right now is yeah, like yeah. all gentrified. That's the Miami that you live in right now. My yeah, my Miami is like mid gentrified right now. It's like halfway exactly. there. It's not even close to bro. My God, bro. When I was a kid, when I was a kid in ninety two and ninety three and ninety four, Miami was the murder capital of the United States. Mm-hmm. This was after the cocaine cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and there this was, was Chicago. The, uh... This was Chirac. Hey, Miami's a wild place, bro. You think about it, that same exact time you had. You should. I'll recommend a book for your readers. 
to your listeners, a fucking awesome book that I read the other day. I think you would like it a lot, Q. Um, it's called Hotel Scarface. It's called Hotel Scarface by Robert Fazard. And it is a awesome book about the guy's name is Robert F A R Z A D. Um and it is a book about this hotel that existed in um in Coconut Grove called the Mutiny. And the Mutiny is you, you kinda gotta know about Miami. It's on Bayshore Drive by Dinner Key Marina. Right, a couple blocks away by the city hall. Next to the yeah, city hall. The city hall is like this Dinner Key out here in Miami is this like um I think it's, it's a man made marina island, right? It's like it's uh yeah. it's it's this huge floating city hall out in the middle of the the mm-hmm. water. You gotta drive like like a hundred yards in onto it into the yeah, water. Yeah, but city hall city hall's not on the water. City hall is set back a little bit. Set back a little bit. Yeah, okay, but anyways. The guy's name is Ruben. Sorry. The guy's name is Robin. R-O-B-E-N Frazad. F-A-R-Z-A-D. It's called Farzad, Hotel Scarface. Yeah. It's called Hotel um, Scarface, where cocaine cowboys partied and plotted to control Miami. And it is... The story is that this place, the Mutiny Hotel, is one of the most iconic hotels in that time in Miami Lure, where you had the excesses of Miami... And it plots it from like the beginning in the early seventies, the mid seventies, where things were still kind of cool, and you know, basically smuggling huge amounts of cocaine was chic. To <laughs> I, the I feel early eighties, like it's, it's still chic. It's still to cool. the early eighties where Miami goes into full out bloodshed and violence, um, and that's Miami. That's my city. You know, I was born. I was born into it. I was born into the darkness. <laughs> you old. You were, you were born into like a, a couple of financiers. <laughs> yeah, this is the one thing that I always that I always laugh at my parents. I'm like, because they moved to Miami because they were living in New York before that. They moved to Miami in the heart of like the, the chaos. Time. And I look at them like, why did you guys move to Miami? And they're like, we were living in the Bronx. Like there was nothing. <laughs> yeah, there was a shit going on in the Bronx, dude. That's what that was. No, a... no, no. That's not no. Uh, the contrary. Like we were living in New York City at the time when New York no, was like New York the was craziest. And the most. That's what I'm saying. That they're like moving to Miami was nothing. My my dad, the first place he moved, coming from Puerto Rico, in uh in in the in the fifties. God, it had to be like 1955. The first place they moved was the Bronx. I mean, that was a funnel for like all the Puerto Ricans. How so. how old how old will your dad be today? Um, so he died in 2000, he died in 2002, um, when he was 52, no, he was about to turn 52. So if he, 2002 and 52, he, well, easier than this. He was born in 19, uh, 1950. So that's easy. He would be 60. He'd be about to turn 68 later this month. He would be turning 68 later this month. Okay. So I'm just trying to get the room. My dad is, my dad is 72. 72. Yeah. But you have an old, you have older you have older sibling, siblings too, so my parents were like kids when they had me. They were and that was the only one that they had. No, yeah. So but I'm, the reason I say it is because my dad went into the New York basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe yeah. a little bit. You said he went there in 50 something. My dad yeah, like 56 or 57. They went My to, dad would have gone there in like 
66. Yeah, so a little later. So by then, all of the um, where 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 in New York? Uh, first the Bronx and then and then Queens. Um, but the really unique thing that happened, or not unique, but the, the the important dynamic to understand is that Puerto Ricans showed up in the Bronx and in and in Queens and. All the Italians and whites left. <laughs> all got the fuck out of Dodge, <laughs> and so that, like we see what's going on here, <laughs> which is funny because the Italians decades earlier were the ones that drove out the other white, the the longer standing white people who had been there because they didn't want to be around a bunch of Italians, just like the Italians didn't want to be around a bunch of Puerto Ricans, and then and Puerto Ricans all left and came down to Orlando now and. Uh, they because uh, they didn't want to be around the fucking um, the West Indians that are that are living in, throughout. And I'm sure, and I'm sure they, they displaced somebody in a. Yeah, actually, probably the only people, no. the only place that they haven't displaced anybody was in Central Florida because there was nothing there before them. Yeah. <laughs> orange groves. This used, <laughs> this used to be all orange groves. <laughs> this used to be a tree that didn't talk back to me. <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> this swamp never stole my purse I've never seen Mickey Mouse hide a blade in his afro Fuck, fuck the afro in his mouth <laughs> In his mouth, yeah, that's true That was always the thing That was always the fucking, like, the racist trope growing up Is that, like, Puerto Ricans were always hiding blades on them like oh, growing Puerto up in New York, Ricans. the thing was like, if you're Puerto Rican, everybody thinks that you ha- you're hiding a fucking knife or a blade on you somewhere. And I don't know where that came from. That sounds like some West Side Story shit, and it was not a thing in Puerto Rico. It was only in New York, a, a belief held by like the racist people who live there. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, man, Latinos are a scary thing, bro. <laughs> That's I think I just found the title for this episode. Latinos are a scary thing. <laughs> Quote, Latinos are a scary thing. Attribution, Justin Espiazu, Miami Herald. <laughs> yeah, throw around a, I'm a person too, man. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Uh, I don't know what well, there I don't know what there uh, is salvageable in this episode. I don't know what I can use. It's going to be uh, like, probably nothing. It'd be not the first time I record four episodes with you and None of them see the light of day. Every once in a while, I'll play through my iTunes just for the uh, benefit of this list of the listeners, all, all you listeners out there. Uh, Justin, <laughs> all you listener, Justin, Justin, <laughs> and I had an awesome idea. Which, by the way, they fucking stole from us. They stole from us. I have no idea how they found out about it since I never released any of the episodes. But Justin and I had this brilliant idea to go back and rewatch every episode of The Wire. And uh, oh, we and- were supposed to rewatch them. <laughs> I knew you rewatched them because at the time you and I were working together, and I could see over your fucking desk that you were watching them. I knew that you were watching. Them. Uh, this motherfucker so try watching. Cool. You're like, you're like, I don't know if I should be upset. The two of us, or if I should be happy that he's show prepping. I don't know. <laughs> the two of us and our, and our and our friend Jeanette, we would like watch uh, episodes of The Wire. We started at episode one. We got to like episode four, I think. And uh, we would, we would, this was in, I mean, 2014 or 2015. This was like way back in the day. This was like, no, I'm saying this was years after The Wire was way, like already off the air for years at this point. But we thought it would be cool to, to revisit it. Cut to fucking The Ringer, the podcast network and 
you know, content studio owned by Bill Simmons, launched a uh, last year this podcast called Binge Mode, where they're doing that exact fucking thing. They're going back and going episode by episode by episode over every sh- uh, like throughout the history of of, of shows. And they're that's focusing- a much better. That's a much better idea. That was exactly what our idea was. No, but our idea was specific to one show. They decided to do it for all shows. Okay, sure. Maybe the concept was better, but our title was better. You remember what our title was? Rewired. Rewired. That was a great title because I came up with it. (laughs) I don't think we even agreed on that title. You just called it Rewired. No, what happened was this. I I was like, just called Rewired. (laughs) I said, just like with this podcast, I already had uh, mock-ups of art for the logo. And like nobody had nobody had any feedback. I was just like, guys, look, I made a logo. And you're like, and you and Jeanette were just kind of like, well, I guess he made a logo already. Fuck it. Like what? <laughs> See, I would have called it. I would have called it through the wire. Oh, Jesus. And I would have pl- and I would have played the Kanye West the, through the wire. And through the lip. You would have been, been the most sued. basic bitch on the planet for doing that. That's so yeah. Lame. Okay. And I would have gotten so many views. Listen. <laughs> How would nobody, so, How would anybody know? Oh, listen to that podcast about the wire with the Kanye West song about being like his mouth wired shut. Listen, <sighs> listen. You need to move to Miami once and for all. I have. I've lived here for twelve years. I own a fucking oh, home. Right. What do you? <laughs> I have a right. thirty-year mortgage. Like, what do you? What, <laughs> what the fuck else do you need me to do, dude? In I live thirty years. I my live, property's gonna be underwater. I live technically closer to the heart center of Miami than you do. I live like 50 blocks closer to the middle of town. Yeah, but I live in the heart and center of Cuban culture. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I live in the Cuban. I live. Oh, man. Kendall. Kendall. There's no Cubans in Kendall. There's a couple Cubans. <laughs> Real Cubans live in, in uh, West Miami, Westchester, or uh, Hialeah. In the Gables, a lot of Cubans in the Gables. Yeah, that's rich, that's rich Cubans. Oh, what they don't count? You lived in the Gables. You grew up in the Gables. I didn't grow up in the Gables. You grew up in the Gables. You grew up I'm on Biscayne. West. I, claim, I, claim, on, on, I mean, I on, never, uh, on I never, Brickle. You grew I, up on Brickle. I, I, no, 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 no. Hold on. You're using the words "grew up" very, uh, very loosely. You masturbated was, for the first time in the Gables. You told me. Actually, you won't stop. That's not true. Me. I masturbated for the first time. I masturbated for the first time ever in Westchester. Oh, damn. Never mind. Was, How about that? Westchester's the spot, man. You can't fuck with it, I suppose. You can't fuck with Westchester. It's official status. I got laid for the first time in Westchester, too. And got head for the first time. Jesus. I feel like a lot of yeah. people probably pop their cherries in, in Westchester. It's that kind of place. No, but listen. But listen, listen, listen. listen. So I Behind, fucking... like, was it behind Target? In that, like, let me tell you. Let me let me let me tell area. you. Let me tell you my my uh, my uh, life uh, span in thirty seconds. Right, I was born in Mercy Hospital. Right, I was born in Mercy Hospital in nineteen eighty two when there wasn't a lot of goddamn hospitals. So there was Baptist, but Mercy Hospital was more favorable with the Cubans, right? Or highly hospital. But I was born in Mercy. From Mercy, I came to this house in Westchester, and the bedroom that I that my, my the kid has that Justin has right now was my bed growing up. I lived here for like a year, then I moved from here to a house in Coral Gables. Four 
52 Alhambra. I thought you said this was going to be like 30 seconds. Well, it's about 30 seconds. <laughs> From there, I moved back to Westchester until I'm like 26 years old. No, but you lived in the Gables from your age. Oh yeah, twenty six. That's when we met. Yeah, all right. Like, it was, and I moved in. Then I moved into that apartment in the Gables. That was so a before fun I was apartment. living out here. That, that was, was a fun apartment, apartment. Yeah. over off Biltmore Way, which oh, is like Biltmore, kind of a yeah. cool like the area. Rich, the rich kid, the rich kid, the rich kid. Yeah, apartment that you had that you turned into some weird dungeon of like non-working doors. And that was strange, right? What a strange a, place that was. It was a weird ass place. I loved it though. Because I always knew when I was going over there at like noon or one o'clock on a day off, I was going to be there until like three in the morning and I was going to not remember going home. I was going to stagger out fucking ass first. And anything could happen, but in a positive way. Yeah. Usually positive. (laughs) Nothing ever went down. No. No, no, no. We usually no. Our spot was in. Oh my god, this is this must be scintillating listening for people like guys in their mid thirties talking about when they were in their mid twenties and like partying and hanging out. You're not um, gonna put this podcast out. Yeah, I'm gonna put it out. I'm gonna put it out tonight. I'm not even gonna. You know what? This is gonna be the first podcast I don't edit. No, please don't do that. Dump. Just it. gonna throw this out there. Just gonna put it out there. I've wanted to do that for a while now. No. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite things was. You know who Ralphie is? I really is? like that you've graduated to going over and standing next to an air conditioner now. That's awesome. Oh, the AC just turned on. I just noticed that. I'm not sure why the AC's on. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but the AC hadn't turned on all this whole time. Hey, did you see? I'm sure you didn't see it. Um, I got into a fight on Twitter with your congressman. Who's my congressman? Carlos Cabrillo? Yeah, I got into a Twitter Twitter fight with him. Did he actually respond to you? Yeah, he, you well, just, he responded just, like he responded like four or five times. He's oh, like, were you just sending sending out like? Yeah, it was just me just harassing him. <laughs> sir, I got to throw you sir, a fight with him. Sir, sir, please stop yelling at me on Twitter. So what? What did he? Uh, what did he write back? To Nothing, you? dude. He's just like a little punk ass bitch. What did you write to him? What did? What, I what forget. Were you I don't have it in front of me. I was basically. Oh, he, okay, I I'll forget, give you the gist. Yeah, I forget. I'll give you, the gist you, know, of it. you know exactly what you said. No, I don't remember specifically. <laughs> You're a I fucking liar. I called him like a fucking like sack of petulant fuck shit. I don't know. I made up some something. I didn't. I, I didn't use any curse words. I was um, fucking find it. I'll find it right now since you don't believe me. Since you think I'm some kind of a fucking asshole. And, yeah, uh, well, you know, I'm sure you. Vo- I'm sure you voted for Corbello. I'm sure he's one I of did, your I fucking. Actually, I fucking. How about this? I did vote for Corbello. That's insane that you voted for that guy. I just lost all respect for you. No, that guy's a piece of shit, dude. Yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. shit. No, they're th- all pieces of shit. To to certain degrees, they are. First of all, it doesn't mean you have to vote for for one of them. Second of all, it's to certain degrees. That's a stunning lack of homework on your part. Hang on, I'll tell you what I said. <laughs> You know what it was? It was a stunning lack of It was a stunning lack of conquer. I mean, I'm not sure why you were you so antagonistic against like. I don't know, man. Why are you why are you so angry? <laughs> <laughs>